0: Hello, everyone. This is Scott Shell, and this is the Ben Berry Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find me personally at Shell Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we'll be talking about some NFL football as the San Francisco 49ers have a matchup over the next few days. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning towards football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline's the number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half-a-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, is open right now at BetOnline. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means that if you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, if you lose, your is going to be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Betting Barrier Podcast. Now, before we end up going on break, we previewed what we're going to be doing for this week's show. Once again, talking about the Niners and their upcoming matchup for Week 2 against the Eagles. However, before we do that, we got to quickly recap how we did from a betting perspective in Week 1. And we ended up splitting. We won on the side as we laid the points with the Niners, and they won by 8. And unfortunately, we lost the total as we leaned to the under- and the game flew over the total, so we ended up splitting. Not an awful start, but i will look for a sweep here for Week 2. But before we actually get into how these two teams match up against each other with the Niners and the Eagles, we gotta quickly talk about how both of these teams fared in Week 1. Spoiler alert, they both fared pretty well. Starting with the Niners, it was pretty much a flawless performance for about three quarters, and maybe even three and a half quarters. But then, The final two minutes happened, and things got really dicey for no apparent reason. The Lions scored a touchdown, got the two-point conversion, then recovered an onside kick, then scored another touchdown, got another onside kick, then the Niners got the ball, fumbled, and the Lions had a shot to tie the game, but the Niners' defense held as the Lions ended up losing to the Niners 41-33. So, First glance, offense. Fantastic. Scored 41 points. Really 34 because he had a pick six in there, but the point is the offense moved the ball at will. You had Jimmy Garoppolo, who ended up having 314 passing yards with just 17 completions, which is impressive, for one passing touchdown to Debo Samuel. And other than that, you had Trey Lance, who attempted one pass early in the game, and it turned out to be a touchdown as he threw one to Shurfield for a five-yarder. So, The quarterback play was solid. Garoppolo only got sacked one time, so kudos to the offensive line for keeping him clean for the entire afternoon. And the Niners' offense definitely looked like a well-oiled unit, scoring 31 points in the first half. Once again, there was a pick six in there. But still, 24 points in the first half for an offense, solid performance. Now looking at the ground game, Elijah Mitchell led the way as he had 19 carries for 104 yards and one touchdown. The main story was Raheem Mostert who had two carries for 10 yards, looked like he was poised for a phenomenal performance, and then, unfortunately, Mostert got injured again, and now he is officially out for the year. So that is definitely a serious blow to the Niners, who were hoping that Mostert would stay healthy again, which has really been rare over the last few years. He's injured almost all the time, and it is what it is. But Mostert, people thought, might be out for a couple weeks, and now he's out for the whole year. It's a running back position, so of course, running backs are more expendable than other positions, but Mostert has game-breaking speed, and that's definitely going to hurt. The surprise out of the backfield, besides the injury to Mostert, of course, was pregame because rookie Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch going into week one. People thought he was going to suit up. I watched him in preseason. I didn't think he looked very good. So I maybe wasn't as surprised as other people were. But Elijah Mitchell took the ground running when it came to the starting job, and he definitely earned it moving forward. I am expecting to see Sermon active because Mostert is not moving forward, but we'll see how they divide up the carries. I got to assume Mitchell will be the lead back in the immediate future, and we'll see how it goes from there. But Mitchell, I mentioned, 19 carries, 104 yards. He was very good. Hasty, one carry, three yards. Nobody else really did anything. And Hasty I only mentioned because he also had one reception for 15 yards as he was the backup running back once Mostert went down. But the receiving core was two guys, really one guy, and you had Kittle who had four receptions for 78 yards. However, Debo Samuel was a man-possessed in Week 1 as he had nine receptions for 189 yards, including a 79-yard touchdown, which was really impressive where it was a bit underthrown, caught the ball, ended up going to the other side of the field, and he broke through anyone who was near him, and he took it to the crib. But Samuel staying healthy and looking that dominant was definitely a welcome sight. Of course, Ayuk didn't really play at all. He played maybe a snap or two, and then he re-aggravated his injury that he's been dealing with. So he is expected to play in Week 2, but we're going to have to assume he'll be limited if, you know, playing at all. But the point is, Samuel and Kittle did their thing. Sherfield had the touchdown, but nobody else really did anything. So new had one catch for seven yards, and that was it. So, I am kind of curious how the Niners are going to try to hypothetically fill the void if Ayuk is not able to go, because looking at the math here, you have Kittle tight, as a tight end, who of course is elite. You had Sherfield who had the touchdown, but... Going through everything else here, I mean, Debo Samuel was pretty much the only wide receiver who did anything in this game. Of course, he did enough to carry for several people. Sherfield with a touchdown, but he only had 23 yards. So yardage-wise, Samuel basically did all the work. Because if you add up Sanu's seven yards with sherfield's 23, you get 30. And if you add that to Samuel, that means Samuel had 189 of the team's 219 total receiving yards from wide receivers, which is definitely not how you want to divide it up, but it was good enough for the moment, and the Niners ended up scoring a lot of points because of it. But looking at the issues, Samuel did fumble once he picked up the game-winning first down in the fourth quarter, which was costly, but he was going for the first down. He fumbled the ball. I know you can't fumble in this situation, but I was more shocked the Niners threw the ball in this situation, and Garoppolo did fumble in the first snap of the game for the Niners offensively, which was not a great start. But looking at the defense, you had a pretty solid pass rush generating three sacks. Bosa had one, which was nice to see. D. Ford had one, which was nice to see because both them missed most of the year last year. And you also had Contavious Street, who had one. So props to the defensive line in the beginning of the game. Down the stretch, struggled. But the main injury on the defensive side was Jason Verrett, who was out for the year once again. Verrett's really just a sad story in professional football because he has so much talent, and he got injured every single year, whether it was with the Niners, whether it was with the Chargers earlier in his career. Really a damn shame. But once he went out, the Lions passing game performed well because Goff had 338 passing yards and three touchdowns. Of course, most in garbage time. That's why Goff did have a QBR of 24.8, and he had one interception, which turned into a pick six. But Goff, down the stretch, made the plays he needed to. And the Niners really had a hard time dealing with both running backs for Detroit. Now, both running backs on the ground combined for 20 carries and 93 yards, which is okay. I mean, that's more than four yards a carry, but the main issue was the dual threat ability of both running backs because both of them were really good pass catchers, and that explains why DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams had eight receptions apiece for 121 receiving yards total and one receiving touchdown so looking forward the Niners have to do a better job of guarding running backs out of the backfield uh, because Swift had 65 yards Jamal Williams had 56 yards and both of them really just tore the Niners apart in the second half but other than that though you had TJ Hawkinson who was great he had 97 receiving yards and one touchdown so keep that in mind Niners with Opposing tight ends need to improve that, but the receiving core for the Lions didn't really do much. The leading wide receiver had 50 yards, so props to the secondary for that, but the running backs out of the backfield, the linebackers will definitely have to improve on that because you cannot go against Philly and pretty much let Miles Sanders or even Gainwell get any open space in the passing game because both of them do have a lot of big playability, but now we're going to switch gears and talk about the Eagles. The Eagles who had an, a very impressive win on the road against the Falcons in week one. I know there were three and point underdogs, and they could have been 20-point favorites. It wouldn't have mattered because the Eagles won a 32-6. to six. Now, I actually watched a decent amount of this game, so I was impressed by the Eagles. However, going into the season, I thought the Falcons were going to be just awful. And I know some people thought they might be a dark horse candidate to make the playoffs. I don't really know why. I thought this team was awful in preseason. I think Arthur Smith looks like a disaster as a head coach right now, and it might arguably have the worst defense in the entire league besides maybe Jacksonville. So even though Philly dominated on both sides of the field, didn't give up a touchdown, didn't give up any points after halftime, and also scored 32 points in the process, Jalen Hurts looked great. Matt Ryan did not, and we'll talk about that game right now. Jalen Hurts, phenomenal. He was 27 of 35 for 264 passing yards and three touchdowns. QBR of 72.8, only sacked once. Miles Sanders, solid, 15 carries for 74 yards, 4.9 yards a carry. And Gainwell, who was the backup, had nine carries for 37 yards and one touchdown. Also didn't mention Jalen Hurts, seven carries, 62 yards. So he was efficient all over the place, and he definitely looked like a starting quarterback in the league in that week one appearance. But looking at the receiving core, people were wondering how the other Uh, youngster we do. I mentioned Gainwell as a rookie who had a touchdown. The other one, the star number one draft pick, Devontae Smith, and he played really well in his first NFL game. He had six receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. Very, very pretty uh, throw to the back corner of the end zone there in the first quarter. Other than that, Rieger had a touchdown on the screen late in the fourth quarter. Dallas Goddard had a touchdown right before halftime, and Miles Sanders had four catches for 39 yards and Gainwell had two receptions for six yards. So I mentioned it with the Niners and how they let DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams do whatever they wanted out of the backfield catching the ball. Keep an eye on those two for Sanders and for Gainwell because both of them have have uh, the ability to catch passes out of the backfield and now Zach Ertz had two receptions for 34 yards. He was battling injuries throughout the entire game, which shouldn't really come as a surprise because he was battling injuries for the majority of last year. As he is definitely well, well past his prime. But the point is, Philadelphia played well. Looking at the defense there, they sacked Matt Ryan three times, really just dominated the line of scrimmage. There really wasn't much else to talk about. Uh, Jaron Hargrave had two sacks by himself, and Hassan Ridgeway had one sack. So the pass rush they didn't really blitz much. They mostly just rushed four guys, and they got after. Atlanta pretty much the entire game, which is why the Falcons only had 164 passing yards. They just couldn't buy time for Matt Ryan, who was getting killed back there. Now, looking at the actual receiving core for Atlanta, I mentioned the passing yards and how it was non existent. The receiving yards were non existent. Ridley had five receptions for 51 yards, Uh, Kyle Pitts had four receptions for 31 yards. Both of them were targeted eight times, so really wasn't that efficient, but the ground game did have some success which the Niners will look to exploit because Cordero Patterson had seven carries for 54 yards. It's kind of a backup running back role. Mike Davis did struggle 15 carries for 49 yards, but as a whole, the Falcons averaged 4.8 yards per carry with 26 carries. So perhaps you might find some holes for Mitchell in the ground game against this Eagles defense, but either way we'll definitely see how these teams match up because they faced relative cupcakes in week one, as the Falcons and Lions, I think will be two of the worst teams in the league. Falcons, I think they're gonna go four and thirteen. I think that team's a last place team if I've ever seen one. But the point is, is that now it's really a good test to see if week one was a fluke or not, or if the teams were as good as they made it as they made themselves seem in last week's respective games. But the point is looking at the actual betting lines for this game. The Niners are currently favored by three and a half. Uh, It's down to three in some spots, but I still see some three and a halves. And you also have a total that has been flying through the roof as it opened up at around 48, and now it's up to a flat 50. So both defenses not getting a lot of love from the markets. I'm assuming it's mostly 49ers uh, defense that's being hated on because of the fact that you really had... A hideous showing in the fourth quarter, and the first game of the season had 74 points. But, it's mostly 50. I actually do see a couple of 49 49.5s available. There's 49.5 available at Bet Online, And for this prediction, I'm actually going to take the Eagles to win the game, and I like the over. Now, a couple reasons why I feel this way. San Francisco, I know that they coasted after they opened up a big lead, but I can't get past the injury to Verrett. I think that's such a brutal injury to that secondary and I know they did a pretty good job of filling the void against receivers for Detroit. But you got Devontae Smith out there. You got Rieger, some young guys who have some play, big playability. And you lost Sherman during the offseason. You lost, of course, Varett. now. You're a little bit low at corner. And I think that's a bit concerning. Especially with how sharp Sirianni looked at the play calling with the Eagles. But I think it hurts with the, mob, with the mobile uh, aspect of his game will cause the Niners a bit of some issues there with his uh, just ability to extend plays and to potentially cause some linebackers to bite on the running back and make them pay in the read option game. But Philly's defense I thought looked good as a for an overall pass rush, but Atlanta's offensive line was tragic during that entire game. So I think you'll end up seeing the Niners' offensive line, which is one of the better units in the league, stand up to the pass rush. Philly I think is going to continue its rush for play zone or man coverage type of scheme where they're not going to send many blitzes and I think Garoppolo is good enough to find some holes in this defense I'm still not really sold on Philly secondary I simply just think Matt Ryan had no time to go through his progressions down the field which is why you saw them only score six points in that game but I think you'll see a high scoring game but you have the Niners traveling to the east coast which is always tricky and the Eagles they like they have a pretty passionate fan base let's put it that way I think the Eagles show up, and I think they'll win the game. I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be a nail-biter. But if I had to pick a score, I'm going to go with Philadelphia 27, 49ers 24, and I think that the Eagles will win the game outright, and the game will go over by about a point and a half. So once again, my thoughts for Week 2 on the Niners are going to be on the Eagles, plus three and a half, as well as the over. 49 and a half for that game. But other than that, though, that has been this installment of the Bambra podcast. Bye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.